Have you ever been fishing with someone who just didn't belong in a boat? Someone who's afraid to touch the bait or recoiled when a fish actually was pulled into the boat? Maybe someone who just didn't get that lateral movements aren't a great idea, especially when someone's already leaning over the edge. Someone who talks nonstop and yet can't figure out why nothing is biting. I really love going fishing, but for some reason chatty preachers like me don't get a lot of invitations to go fishing. Jesus, on the other hand, was a quiet sort of preacher, but when he got into Simon's boat, he wasn't interested in going fishing, at least not for fish. He wanted to preach. The crowd had followed him to the water's edge. They pressed in on him so closely that he just couldn't get his message to those standing in the back. So he saw the boats on the shore and asked Simon Peter if he would put out just a little ways, far enough so that the harbor would function like a natural amphitheater and project his words so that everybody in the crowd might hear them. We don't hear what he preached on that particular day, but we know a lot about what Jesus liked to say to crowds like that, probably something about the kingdom of God being near and how God's reign is manifest not among the powerful or the holy, but in the lives of ordinary, even sinful people. After he was done preaching, though, Luke tells us something powerful happened. Jesus looked at his host in the boat and said, Simon, why don't you put out in deep water and go ahead and let down your nets for a catch? That would be a little like me offering a sermon in a mechanic's garage and then telling the owner how to rebuild a transmission. (laughs) Jesus wasn't a fisherman. He didn't grow up in a seaside town probably didn't spend any time in boats. He was a carpenter like his father until he gave up that line of work to become a preacher. He didn't know anything about fishing, which is pretty plain, given that he asked the fishermen to use some nets that wouldn't have caught anything in the day. Scholars tell us that these particular nets were probably what is known as a trammel net. I don't know what that is, but I'm told that it's a net that was made out of linen. And at night, in the dark, the nets worked really well. But in the light, the nets were visible to the fish. And fish are smart enough not to swim into a net that they can see. So when Jesus told these professional fishermen to head back out after a night of working hard and catching nothing, and to get those nets that they'd already been washing that morning dirty again, Jesus' request didn't make any sense. And neither did the catch that was taken. The fishermen shouldn't have caught anything. They didn't expect to catch anything. But sure enough, when they did what Jesus asked them to do, the nets were so full of fish that two boats weren't able to hold all of the catch without running the risk of being swamped. And when Simon saw what had happened... He threw himself down at Jesus' knees and said, Get away from me, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. A response perhaps as astounding as the catch of fish. In Luke's gospel account, this is the first time he uses the word sinful or sinner. 
Luke will end up using it a lot of times, but every other time, Luke uses it in a way that Simon doesn't quite seem to understand. Usually, when Luke uses that label, sinner or sinful, he uses it in a way that serves as a singularly defining label, the the kind of badge that would shame someone who didn't belong among good and holy people like us. For example, Jesus eats with tax collectors and sinners because nobody else is willing to eat with them. Luke tells us that a woman at a later dinner party comes and anoints Jesus' feet and wipes them with her hair. This woman is described as a sinner, the kind of person that the Pharisee host knows shouldn't be touching Jesus' feet. Later, when Jesus will predict his death and resurrection to his disciples, he lets them know that he will be handed over to sinners, to the kind of people who would reject God's anointed one, the coming of God's reign, that's the kind of sinner and sinful identity that usually comes with that word. Not not ordinary, imperfect people like you and me. Instead, the kind of people who belong on a wanted poster, or better yet, as the object of our hypocritical gossip, right? Well, Peter wasn't a sinner in that sense. He wasn't a tax collector or a prostitute. He also wasn't disabled or diseased or otherwise distinguished from ordinary people in a way that would have associated him with God's outcasts. Now, Peter wasn't a wealthy man. He didn't have hired hands that he could send out in the boat on his behalf, but he was good enough at his job to have a boat. He was successful enough that when people around town looked at Simon Peter, they thought, you know what? He's all right, at least in God's eyes. So when he falls down at Jesus' knees in this gesture of deep humility, when he holds up his hands and says to Jesus, get away from me, something strange is going on, a, a a different kind of identity than what we would normally associate with a, a sinner being confronted by a holy man. It seems that there was something that Jesus did in that boat that day. Something about showing these professional fishermen a manner of fruitfulness and success that they otherwise could not have fathomed that called Simon Peter up short in a most profound way. Now, I don't want to suggest that in order for us to understand what Simon Peter did that day, that we have to read back onto this gospel lesson the kind of sinfulness that Paul writes about in letters like Romans, where he says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We don't need that understanding of sinfulness to make sense of this. But I do believe that when the fullness of God's kingdom comes that close to Peter, and touches him at the core of his vocational identity in a way that he knows is so central to who he is that he all of a sudden recognized in one huge and overwhelming way that his life was wholly inadequate for whatever it was that God was doing in the world in this person, Jesus Christ. When the power of God's reign comes close to us like that, 
When God's magnificence and holiness shows up right where we are, we don't need to be a notorious sinner to feel like we don't belong, to feel like we not, might not be worthy of this thing that God is doing. We can come to church each week and listen to sermons and hear the lessons and sing the hymns and say the prayers and not once question our belonging in God's reign. And yet when that holy power comes to us and hits us square between the eyes and touches us in a way that is central to who we are, isn't our response what Peter's was? Don't we say, I'm, I'm sorry, God, you must have the wrong person. You don't mean me. I'm not good enough. I can't do that. You mean that person in the pew across the aisle. They're the holy one, not me. This wasn't the first time that Peter and Jesus met each other. Peter had heard Jesus preach in the synagogue at Capernaum. After the service, he had invited the rabbi to come back to his house for dinner. Peter had seen Jesus heal his mother-in-law and stand at the door of his house healing the multitude who came all night long seeing and seeking God's healing. This was at least the second time that Peter had heard Jesus talk about the nature of God's kingdom, how God's kingdom is manifest in the lifting up of the downtrodden, the setting free of the prisoner and the consolation of the poor. He had heard what he said to the crowd on the shore that day, but it wasn't until he put out in deep water and let down his nets for a catch that he realized that that kingdom the preacher had been talking about all this time was coming for him. We don't belong in that fishing boat with Jesus either. We don't deserve to inherit the magnificence of God's reign. We can't imagine ourselves in something as wonderful and perfect as the kingdom of God. We aren't good enough or talented enough or holy enough to be the ones that God uses to build up this reign in the earth. And yet, that kingdom comes to find us. It asks us us to give our lives and our labor to God so that God might use us to bring the message of that kingdom even to the ends of the earth. We are the ones to whom God says, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. We know that God's love belongs to all people. We've heard Jesus say that a number of times. But have we heard him say it to us? It's a lot easier to believe that God loves notorious sinners and outcasts than it is to believe us because God's love is always easier to hold on to when it's in the abstract, when it's a platitude instead of a prescription. But Jesus came to bring God's love to sinners, to ordinary, needy, real people with problems like you and me. We need to be loved like that. And there is no one on this earth who belongs in God's kingdom any more than you do. So put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Let the power of God's wonderful reign come right up next to you, right where you are in your own particular brokenness, your own particular circumstance. And be astounded that the power of God's love is coming to find you, even you.